But nobody has to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Hey yo, welcome back my friends to another thrilling action-packed episode of In Madness Pod, episode 21, part 2 of our ridiculously numbered system. Welcome, uh, thank you for joining us on In Madness Monday. I am here, my buddy Vertebrae33, how's it going? What's going on, Sean? How you doing? Very good, I enjoyed our, our last episode. We are also joined by a very special guest, my man Joe Miro from Queens, New York, Creepy Canvases. What's up, Joe? What's good, guys? Once well, again, sure thanks you, for having me on. Make sure you follow Creepy Canvases on Instagram. This dude does great art. These little cube pieces. I have like six or seven of them in my house. He made me an alien one. I have Pazuzu from Exorcist. Oh, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> Something in my throat. Uh, I have uh, Leatherface. There's a couple you made for me. Oh, uh, Lighthouse. Willem Dafoe from Lighthouse. That's yeah. one of my favorite ones. Um, make sure you follow us on the socials at In Madness Pod. Uh, hit us in the mail sack anytime you want. In Madness Pod at gmail.com. We're probably going to get to reading listener emails in the next couple of episodes, probably after our next, next movie. year. Yeah, next maybe we'll start year. the year with a point five or something. Yeah, um, next year we'll read we'll read your mail. Send it in. What is it? <laughs> hit, us hit, us, hit us in the mail, mail sack. sack. Wee, wee, wee. Yeah, yeah, you have to put the soundbite in there. But I also think we need a soundbite for Christmas bits. Christmas bits, jing jing. Maybe it's just like yeah, you know, jingle bells or something. Yeah, like okay, okay, yeah. We just gave Sean a lot of work to do. No, no, I think I can make one as long as we don't have a million Christmas bits. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. And make sure you follow us on the socials. Make sure you also watch us on YouTube. We put all of these podcasts on YouTube. If you like sitting at work and throwing a podcast on YouTube, I don't know. I don't know how people consume these things. So mm -hmm. whether you do it on YouTube, some people only listen on Apple. Some people only listen on Spotify. Some people only listen on whatever. So however you enjoy it, madness, make sure you tell your friends that you are also enjoying in madness and that they should enjoy it as well follow us on the socials watch us on youtube follow the in madness playlist on spotify we just added run dmc christmas and hollis because of the movie that we are still covering here for episode 21 part two vertebrae what movie are we doing it's die hard this is not this is die, die hard part two but not part to the so. Die Hard movie, that we wanted to confuse you, but it's Die Hard, the second half of, of Part film. One. Yes, of Part One. Everybody, <laughs> get out your calculators and we have out the where we're at. Joe. We have the worst numbering system, I think, in uh -huh. the history of any podcast ever, and I think that's something I proudly stand behind. I yeah, think it's pretty it's, easy to follow. You got some point yeah. fives in there. We I tried to just so. shorten it up, the little shorties. Yeah. I love the point fives. Those are some of my favorite ones because we could just dick around and talk about whatever we want. Uh, Maybe we need to we start including the Instagram lives and numbering them too. Oh my God. Yeah. It always seems to be when something Godzilla -y happens. Oh, there's a new Godzilla trailer, the new Godzilla Kong trailer. Yeah. Uh, that's been up that everyone's talking about Godzilla minus one. Uh, I've seen it twice so far in theaters by the time this podcast lands. Who the hell knows how many times I'll see it. And thank you again if you had In Madness in your Spotify wrapped. That is incredible. We're a week away from Christmas. Mm -hmm. If you're listening on In Madness Monday, 
this is the perfect Christmas movie. How do I know that? Because I'm keeping a tally and I have plenty so far. So uh, we are laying out, is this movie a Christmas movie? We know it is. We're just asking you to please stop lying to yourself and telling yourself that it's not. <laughs> um. So, yes, we got Joe Miro, Creepy Canvases. You guys ready? Anything else you want to say before I get into it, before we dive headfirst into part two? Uh, the score. I, I don't know if you guys were saving that for anything, but the, just the there's like that ominous like jingle bell thing. Every time something tense is about to build up, they just like ring the bells with like this weird little melody, always yeah. like this evil tone to it. It's it's like a perfect little accent piece to that movie. I gotta I say, hundred percent agree. Yeah, now I don't have it on vinyl, and now I'm going to have to try to get it on vinyl. I just got, Sean, I just got Seven on vinyl, the movie Seven. Oh, really? came out, so Waxworks put that out, so I'll have it. It previously wasn't released, so it's the Howard Shore score for for Seven, so uh, super excited for that. And I ordered a toy that I think when I get it, and we got to get into the movie, but when I get it, I think we do an Instagram Live on this. Oh, you did a toy from Seven? No, from something okay. else. I know okay. it was a weird segue. You know, no, 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 I, yeah. I was just giving you two things at once. But uh, <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see it definitely. I, yeah. So I have the seven. I ordered seven on vinyl, but then separately from that, I I just thought of it at the top of my head. There's a toy that I ordered that we probably maybe we'll do an unboxing, and I won't tell you oh, what it is God. before unbox. Not Godzilla. I'm just gonna okay. let you know. Like you know what I want? Godzilla. I want like a I want a set with like Somerset and 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 Brad Pitt and the fat guy in his bowl of spaghetti and like it just like like a McFarlane uh, moment. yeah like a like a movie uh, yeah 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 because I have the Metallica the Injustice for All uh, set up there mm-hmm. I'll nice. post a picture of that maybe but yeah that's what I want I want Somerset Mills and holding the flashlight and the flashlight works in the dark right. And, right. and there is the guy with his face in the spaghettios yeah wait before we go because we go gotta ahead. go to the movie i'm the one who said we gotta go to the movie but joe what's your favorite metallica album oh uh, i know i and you'll agree too it's hard to rank things uh <laughs> god me and vertebrae differ on this topic so it used to be ride the lightning Oh, damn, you didn't even take any of our sides. <laughs> As I got older, yeah. I learned to appreciate Master of Puppets way more. Uh, Damage Inc., one of my favorite Metallica songs. There's something about that. I don't know what it is. But yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to go Master of Puppets. That All might right, be a right. cliched answer, but... Uh, That's awesome. I That's love great. It. Tell me, what's yours, Vertebrae? Well, there's no... First of all, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> no wrong answer. Oh, of course. <laughs> But I'm going to say, and I, I preface this with, it's when it hits you in your life that that's your Metallic album. That's why it's a theory that I've talked to other people about, too. When it hits you in your life is when it matters. And mine is Injustice for All. And I, I know that makes me hate bass guitar. I get it. I understand. <laughs> um, but I'm good. But I'm good with that. And then Sean proceeded to tell me I was wrong. But then he named, but he, then he named like, over half of the songs on the album as being like some of his favorite songs of all time. So I mean, I I mean Joe Joe is correct. 
<laughs> it is master of puppets is is the best album ever and but but the argument that i had was that blackened is my favorite metallica song oh that's that what is on and justice for all yeah, so yeah how do i fight that battle it's like i'm, uh-huh. I'm right on the in, i'm on the cuspy cusp right there so mm-hmm. uh because of that we added blackened and master of puppets to the in madness playlist we also added master of puppets for our cabin in the woods episode for the mm-hmm. puppeteers uh, always a theme. There's always a theme. There's always a reason for a song on the It Madness playlist. If you have a question about it, uh, ask us and we'll tell you why a song is on there. But all of it has a theme to some of the movies we've done. Are we ready to kick in to part two of episode 21? Let's go. Let's do Die it. Hard. We didn't this even get, make it halfway through. Yeah, this is it. We, we last left you where our policeman was investigating a disturbance call at Nakatomi Plaza. John McClane has been going through absolute hell trying to get the cop's attention to get himself some backup to battle these terrorists. The cop found no disturbance from his brief investigation. Heads back to his car, tell dispatch everything is fine over here at Nakatomi Plaza. He gets in his car. Which finally, my friends brings me to my milking, milking of the, the alpacas, alpacas moment. moment. Joe, I don't know if you know our milking alpacas moment. This is the part in the movie where the shit absolutely hits the fan and everything does the drastic 180 roundabout from our Color Out of Space episode. I don't know. Have you watched Color Out of Space, Joe Miro? I saw it uh, what, three, four years ago? It was like pre-pandemic, I think. Totally just voided it from my memory started to watch the episode that you guys did on. Then I was like, wait, I can't do this to myself. I gotta, I gotta rewatch it. So it's still on the list. That's like that in the Lucy episode. Yeah. The, the movies that I never got to, I, I, I still haven't finished or, you know, like absorbed Vertebrae everything else. Knows. Like I vertebrae know. knows why you didn't finish Lucy. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's all good. But Sean would be super excited. If you finish Lucy, watch Lucy and then tell him how much you love Lucy and believe Lucy. I've never seen Lucy. Yeah. I never and, saw it until Sean record. Sean recommended that's it. The point then, of this podcast. And I loved it. And it was great. I love the movie. I'm just going to say, if you listen to the podcast, I did love the movie, but you'll, you'll, you know, there's a lot of uh, that's where Sean facts came from. Sean facts. <laughs> a lot of Sean facts. In that. Yeah. Really loves that movie. All right. I mean, it's a great movie. So from inside the cop's car from above, we see a body falling right towards him and then crash dead crony right through his windshield. He screams, God damn it, Jesus H Christ and floors it backwards. And then all the thugs begin lighting his ass up machine guns firing at his car. McLean looks down and yells another iconic line. Joe Miro. Welcome to the party, pal. Boom. The cop is flooring it in reverse, screaming for his life, crashing through concrete blocks and inside the parking garage. There's Argyle. Still in the limo, locked in the garage, but he doesn't even know it because the music's still blasting, and he's still on the phone talking to his honey. Out of the back of the limo, we see the cop car flying in reverse behind him. It's hilarious. The cop is screaming into his radio, Now means now! I need backup! I'm taking machine gun fire in Nakatomi Plaza. Crashes his car through a wall and off a short hill and stops his car, which is basically standing on one end. And he kicks his door open and gets out of the vehicle. Cut to the newsroom. And hey, look who it is. 
dickhead environmental guy from Ghostbusters who shut down <laughs> the captivity machine and freed all the ghosts and raised hell in New York. Walter Peck. <laughs> in this movie, he's also a dickhead. He's dickhead news reporter, Thornburg. This guy is really good at playing dickheads. He's on the phone saying, Monica, I can get us a table. I'm close personal friends with the chef. Mm. Ugh. We addressed this one on our menu episode with Chef Brian from Mission Sandwich and how much we can't stand people who are close personal friends with the chef. We've had that experience before, myself and Vertebrae. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get stuck with the bill. Yeah, yeah. So that's Thornburg. Thornburg would leave us with the bill. In the newsroom is a police scanner, and we hear our cops' transmission come over the scanner, screaming, I'm a Nakatomi positive. They're turning my car into Swiss cheese. I need backup now, goddammit. Thornburg drops the phone in shock. Finally, here comes the police cavalry. Buttload of cops drive up to Nakatomi Plaza. They block off every entrance in and out of the place. Here's coked up Ellis. Never thought I'd love to hear that sound. Hmm. Ans tells his thugs, relax. It's inconvenient timing. The police were inevitable. Let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is simply the beginning. Static comes over the radio. Hans scoops it up. I told all of you I want radio silence. He gets cut off by McLean. I'm sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. This is it. Our first contact. Good guy versus bad guy. But they don't know who each other are, which is cool. He says, nice. Since I waxed Tony and Marco here and his friend, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely. So I wanted to give you a call. Smart move. That's why he's writing down all them names on his arm. He says the whole thing going through the thug's bag. Carl angrily asks how McLean knows so much about him. Han stops him, tells McLean, that's very kind of you. I assume you're a mysterious party crasher. You are most troublesome for a security guard. Eh, sorry, Hans, wrong guess. You want to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? I love McLean. He's just toying with him now. Now he's in charge. Now Han's plan immediately seems to be crashing all around him. He looks worried and it's walkie-talkie and he says, who are you? Fly in the ointment, Han's a monkey in the wrench, a pain in the ass. And then while going through the guy's bag, he pulls out a large chunk of C4 and goes, whoa. Hans tells his cronies to check on the others, stay off the radio. He tells McLean, you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture. We thinks he's John Wayne Rambo. Playing mm. goes, I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequin shirts. <laughs> Hans goes, you really think you have a chance against us, cowboy? And John sees the elevator ding. He knows their comedy drops one of the most iconic lines in movie history. Joe Miro. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hey, <laughs> this is also a Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza song, which is one of my favorite bands and favorite albums of all time. So I am adding in honor of Die Hard, Tony Danza tap dance extrava extravaganza, yippee ki motherfucker, to the In Madness playlist on Spotify. Make sure you check it out. We post a link in the description of every single episode. That playlist is becoming as iconic as all of the movies we have been reviewing. You just wait for our next episode. Whew. Back in the newsroom, we got Dickhead Thornburg. He's begging for a news truck so he can get the jump on the Nakatomi Plaza story. Station manager's too busy arguing with the other bonehead news anchor, Harvey. He's about to go live. If he can't get a news truck, he's going to steal one. 
Harvey's like, give it a break, Thornburg. And he snaps back, eat it, Harvey. Mm. And Sean, this, this is, and Joe, this is like more character building right away. We know that these two guys are in competition with each other. Maybe he wanted the job on the desk and he didn't get the job on the desk. And, and it's just great how they do this almost instantaneously with very, you know, the scenes are not very long and we just get this, these relationships built, which, you know, goes into that world building that you were talking about, Joe. It's just all, all of these characters we meet just from a little bit. We want to yeah. kind of know a little more about them. Yeah. They throw a little bit of newsroom politics within like a two second sequence. It's crazy. They count down live, four, three, two. Harvey's live on air, but he's looking off in the distance angrily at Thornburg. Then notices he's on air, and he uncomfortably shuffles his papers and gets on with the show and looks back angrily at the station manager. He's like, take truck five and get out of here. Now we're in Nakatomi lobby. Elevator door opens. All the thugs come running out frantically. They run into Han's office. McLean wasn't lying about killing the guys, and the bags are missing. Hans is very concerned. That bag had the detonators. Uh oh. Hans talks to Theo on the walkie. Theo was still drilling in the vault. He's like, We have some trouble. How's it going? Three of the locks are down. There are four to go. And if you didn't listen to part one, Vertebrae dropped the massive bomb on us. In this in the seven universe, there are seven locks on this vault. Mm-hmm. We're representing Hans- all seven deadly sins. And- <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna have to all go back and watch it and write those down and see if if it clicks, uh, but it also gives us a nice little time component to this, right? We know it's Christmas Eve or it's Christmas now probably, um, and it's a nice little time device. We've got to get through all seven of these to get where we need to go. So it's it's kind of a neat little advice there. I think they actually break it down on the walkie talkies at one point they say like two hours for this two hours for yeah that. yeah three hours at minimum yeah <laughs> yeah uh hans tells him don't waste any time over hans radio we hear our poor twinkie cop al powell saying if the person who radioed for help can hear me on this channel please acknowledge this transmission but all the bad guys hear it too hans carl theo even stops what he's doing very concerned mclean responds i hear you were you the guy in the car and he goes, what's left of him? The cop says, McLean says, listen fast. It's a party line. Neighbors got itchy trigger fingers. You got 30 hostages, 30th floor. The leader is Hans. We cut to the camera in Hans' office. All the goons are pissed. Mm-hmm. We have to find him and shut him up. He's telling them everything. Hans doesn't care. I'm waiting for the FBI to arrive. Till then we can waste as much time as they like. But we must find the bag we must have the detonators mclean's like they got missiles automatic weapons enough plastic explosives to orbit arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) they're down to nine now counting the skydiver you met these guys are mostly european judging by their clothing and then he stops and goes cigarettes they're well financed very slick Officer Powell's like, how do you know? McLean goes, I've seen enough phony IDs in my time to recognize the one they got must have cost a fortune. Officer Powell tells him LA's finest are on the case, so light him if you got him. Is McLean is again, like Joe said, smoking furiously on one of these terrorist cigarettes. And Officer- and he's giving himself away as somebody in law enforcement because he's so organized on this call. 
I don't think Sean, what's it sound like if you're on the other end of that walkie talk? Well, if you're asking D- Deputy Dwayne, it could be a fucking bartender. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. Like I, I don't think I could have been that organized with that talking to people outside of there. I think I'd be screaming and yelling. I certainly, you know, he has all the stats and facts ready to go, but yeah. That's that New York detective work coming in handy. <laughs> Maybe oh, yeah. he maybe he used to work with Somerset and Mills. Oh geez. Oh yeah, my god, hang on, hang on, hang on. I can't breathe. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Powell asks, What should I call you? McLean says, Call me, and then he stops and laughs to himself and says, Roy. Now every cop in LA is on site in Nakatomi and up pulls a car, and who gets out? The detention dude from Breakfast Club. The bull gets the horns guy, the teacher, mm-hmm. the principal. I forget which one he was. I haven't seen Breakfast Club in a long time. I think he's the principal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He gets out. He shows his badge like he's in charge. And he goes, who's talking to him? Officer Powell's like, I am. The guy introduces himself. This is Dwayne Robinson. What do these prick want? What do these pricks want? Powell says, we don't know exactly. We haven't heard from them. Who the hell have you been talking to then? He doesn't know either. He won't give his name. He phoned in the report. He killed one terrorist for sure and claims he killed two others as well. Dwayne immediately gets annoyed. Oh, he claims. Has it occurred to you to be one of the terrorists pulling your chain? And Powell thinks he's a cop. How do you know that? Oh, a hunch. Things he says, like being able to spot a phony ID. And then, like (laughs) I said, Dwayne goes, Jesus Christ, it could be a fucking bartender. Yeah, I think it's all the other stuff that gives him away as a cop. Not the phony ID. It was like that he, they're well, they're educated, well armed, well planned. Like all that other stuff he's talking about, I think is what gives him away is law enforcement. Yeah. The phony ID is is what he could just make phony IDs himself. <laughs> Up pulls Thornburg in the news van. No one is stoked to see him. Back upstairs, Holly struts her ass in the office. I have a request. Without looking up, Hans goes, what idiot put you in charge? And smart-ass, daring Holly goes, you did. Hans looks up stunned. What did you say? She finishes and says, when you murdered my boss, now everyone's looking to me. I'd pass on the job because I don't enjoy being this close to you. And Hans looks her in the eye. He knows she's not bullshitting him. He sits down and he says, go on. We have a pregnant woman out there. Hans immediately rolls his eyes annoyed. Holly's like, relax, she's not due for a few weeks, but I'd like permission to move her into the uh, office with a sofa. Hans is like, no, but I'll bring a sofa out to you. Good enough. Mm-hmm. Holly agrees. He, she adds, unless you like it messy, I'd start bringing us in groups to the bathroom. And Hans agrees, tells her she's right, and it will be done. So right now, Holly so far has made more progress with this dude in two minutes than anyone else has in this entire movie. She sort of humanizes Hans here like a little bit. He's evil. He's got these plans, but he seems to like Holly. Maybe this is the lust of his seven deadly sins, some would say. Oh, maybe. I don't think I don't think their intention is to hurt anyone except for Takagi. Yeah, I think Ellis, we build it up as as we're definitely gonna hurt hurt him but i think they (laughs) but but i i think we see we do we humanize him we connect we also see her notice that the picture is still turned over which is a key key plot point coming up um in this scene and both holly and john are two take charge type of people so 
it's interesting when you think about the relationship and how they ended up on opposite coast and him coming to see her and whatever else they had going on with their marriage. It seems like uh, if they did have beef with each other and when they had arguments or whatever, I don't think either of them is backing down in those situations. It's a very interesting look kind of into their relationship. She's very cool, calm and collected in this in this scene. Like she has no reason to be that calm. But yeah, yeah, she's straight job. up with Hans. She's the only one not pulling his chain. She's just like, I want to keep your ass as far away from me as possible. But but maybe she's empowered because her name's Holly and it's Christmas. You know, it's like a superpower. <laughs> and she's pretty stoked that she knows McLean's out there kicking ass because she knows yes. he's her pissed off. Quickly, Holly looks over the picture. She put face down, like you said, with John and the kids. Hans is sitting at her desk. Mm-hmm. He asks her if there's anything else. She says, no one walks away. Hans thinks, turns, looks at her pics and says, Mr. Takagi chose his people well. Mrs. She stops and goes, Ms. Gennaro and struts her ass away. Mm. Hans watches her, raises an eyebrow like he's super impressed. A TV's brought into his office and there's Thornburg live at Nakatomi Plaza. We see Argyle in the limo pouring himself a drink with one of them small bottles for the passengers. He's got the TV on in his limo. He's watching the same broadcast saying hours ago, terrorists seized the Nakatomi Plaza building, uh, sealing all the entrances and exits. Finally, this gets Argyle's attention. Thornburg says the only communication has been through CB radio. So Argyle drinks the drink, bolts to the front of limo, turns on his CB radio and hears the terrorists talking on the radio. Crazy. What are you doing in this situation, Joe? As who? As Argyle, exactly what he does. I would, I would look for an exit and then just sit there. As soon as like I realize all the gates are closed, I'd freak out. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't be able to stay cool. Actually, I probably would. Think about <laughs> it. You got now that I'm thinking about it, like critically thinking. You got the limo. You're stuck there until you got the liquor. Can... Yeah. What are you gonna do? Seriously. Yeah. Is like pre Amber Alert texting, yeah, any kind of technology, like you know what I'm saying. So it's like you got to sit there, you're gonna listen to a, a tape deck or something, drink the rest of the champagne, hang out with the bear. That's it. That's what do you do, vertebrae? Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, I might be trying to get out of there, crawl suit, get out of the limo, try to crawl through something. I, I don't event. know, yeah, it's always a vent, right? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Sean, I think you're just staying in the limo and, and drinking till you pass out and hopping. I mean, I'm doing a, I'm doing a couple more things besides just drinking in the limo. I'm 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 baking that mother effer out. But I don't know. I question Argyle's tactics, and I'll get into it when we get into it. Uh, we cut to the cops are giving a rundown of their plan to enter Nakatomi. Powell's like, "What's going on? We're going in." Dwayne says Powell's like that's crazy there's hostages in there Dwayne doesn't want to hear it he's in charge he knows best if there's hostages how come we haven't heard any ransom demands or demands from the terrorists all we know is somebody shot up your car probably the same silly son of a bitch you're talking to on the radio Oof. he's like well, what about the body that fell on my window again Dwayne knows best totally unrelated matter he thinks probably some stockbroker who got depressed and jumped out the window this dude <laughs> has got brilliant police work Figured it all out. He's like Ellis. They throw on the floodlights. McLean sees this and he's radioing out, asking what's going on. He's like, if you are what you think you are, you're knowing to listen, when to shut up, and when to pray. 
McLean knows what that means. They're coming in. He knows this is a bad idea. I told you what kind of people you're dealing with. Han sees the cops lights on and says they're coming. Everyone get ready. Theo, you are the eyes now. And Theo pops on a bunch of mini TV screens around him, showing him different parts of the building. The cops make their way in. Inside the parking garage, Argyle's driving all over the place frantically, but stops in front of the closed gates. He's trapped. Sort of. Because mm-hmm. can he just drive the limo through the gate? I mean, I, he probably could. Except if he doesn't succeed, then he's called attention to himself. And he's, okay. he's not armed. Okay. okay. If the building's okay. taken over and let's say, okay. yes, in a movie. Okay. And this is a movie. They <laughs> smash right through the gate. And everything's fine and it's clean and you pop out on the other side. But I feel like it's a little bit messier than that. And this is a building they just worked on. It probably has state-of-the-art gates. Okay, okay. Look, Vertebrae has the building designs. Yeah, yeah. I got the plans. I got the schematics here. I'm looking them over. But I think, I don't know, maybe instinct kicks in and you might try, maybe. I, I'm i kind of agreeing with you as I think about it, but if you fail. You're fucked, I guess. You're just calling attention to yourself. Yeah, Does and you're know? out the limo. Yes, and if it's not running and you're just in a vehicle, it's not running. So if a gate does open, you can't even drive away. You'd have to run away. Like there's but, no staircase in there, or fire exit. It's like, oh, there you're just screwed. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great point. There isn't like, there's got to be. There's an exit. I, you know what? I refuse to believe there isn't. There is a back door. One yeah, of those ones that don't have a doorknob. Yeah, you just go right out. The cop yeah. begins heading up the front of the building, and I love this. There's a great moment. A cop is running through the bushes and gets pricked by one of the bush spikes and goes, "Ow, Jesus." Yeah, so small, such a it's like a Simpsons moment. It's just something that happens for like no reason and is right. like funny for the sake of being funny. Uh, just a brilliant, like, quick three seconds of the movie. Hans thugs are in the lobby, they all take their positions, loading up their guns and ammo, waiting for the cops to walk in. And another hilarious moment, another one of my favorite moments in this movie. All the thugs set up shop guns and ammo on top of the candy case and one of the dudes stands for a moment he looks down and then we get this like music like and he looks around and he's digging through the inside of the candy case and grabs himself a crunch bar and it and makes, it, it immediately it makes bar? these it's well they at in one part he's got a crunch bar and it's then in a another part thing. it's like a symphony bar or something yeah. if i know my chocolates correctly but it like i feel like this Again, it, like it makes these big scary dudes like, oh, I would grab a candy bar too. It it, it makes relatable a little bit, and I love that. I love that. Very a symphony much. bar. I don't know that. I thought it was like a Planner's peanut bar because I thought they were in there too. No, but it was sy- symphony. I think it was called a symphony bar. I'm going to sit here and look it up really quick it, because I'm it's almost definitely like a white or like an off-white package. Yes. But I know he he definitely yeah. reaches for the crunch bar at first, but then in like I think two shots later, he's eating it. 
and it's a totally different bar. Yeah, I'm yeah, they, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive it's this this symphony bar. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that existed I, in 1988. I think I'm almost. I don't know. May I could be wrong. I gotta check. I, or was another one. I don't know. Because there's to the right, there's a box of those planters peanut bars too, which I think have a yellow wrapper. I think I gotta go you know back those, and see. Yeah, but I don't know if Symphony Bar existed in 1988. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Got to figure this out, Sean. Uh, You keep talking. I'm going to look it up when it's. Yeah, it might be Sean Facts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Argyle's driving all over the parking garage. He can't find a way out. He shuts off the car, looks at the big dumb bear in the back seat, and he goes, shut up. The cops begin running up to the front of the building. Theo clears his throat and says, okay, listen up, guys. Get my pen ready. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear. As he says this, we see the thug eating his crunch candy bar, or the what I'm alleging to be a symphony bar. The cops get up to the front door, and for from a few floors above, shots begin going off. One of the cops says, it's panic fire. They can't see anything. Powell knows. They're shooting at the lights. After blowing up a few of the spotlights, dumbass Dwayne says, they're going after the lights, and Powell rolls his eyes annoyed. Inside, we see the thug finishing off another candy bar. I guess that's the other different candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over the radio, Han says, don't be impatient. Just wound them. Outside, the cops running the operation say, send in the car, and a large vehicle begins approaching. Candy Bar Thug aims his gun at the cops trying to get in front of the door and shoots one. All the thugs begin shooting the cops, who are now screaming in agony. Over the radio, Theo says, whoa, wait a minute. We have What do we have here? The police got themselves an RV. He tells the rest of the goons the RV is headed to the southeast corner, and we see a bunch of the cronies hauling this big-ass container over to another room. And one of these thugs that's hauling this container is actually Vigo from Ghostbusters. He quickly turns around and I'm like, is that Vigo? And I looked it up and it is indeed Vigo from Ghostbusters. He's one and of he was just like, why am I all drippings with goo? <laughs> <laughs> it's Vigo. Yeah, he's one of he's one of Hans Gruber's cronies in Die Hard. Very cool. Uh, the containers say rocket ammunition. Uh oh. The guys are rushing to get a spot with the clear shot at the RV. They bolt this rocket launcher to the ground. They set up the rocket. And this part is always hilarious to me because this dumb rinky dink RV, it's supposed to be this big ass, like, a f- offense move for the cops. However, I don't know whether they meant to do this or not, but the RV goes up like six or seven steps and then it just gets stuck right there and becomes completely immobile and ineffective and can't move at all. So this entire (laughs) thing is like the stupidest idea ever. Doesn't matter in the least because straight out of Terminator 2, they aim the rocket, fire it at the RV and boom, it explodes. Enthusiastic Theo screams, oh my God, the quarterback is toast. Hans over the radio says hit it again McLean's like you motherfucker you made your point let him pull back thank you cowboy I take it under I'll take it under advisement hit it again and they fire now McLean's pissed he's had enough throws a C4 bag onto a chair opens the elevator door Uh, there's no elevator only uh, 
but there's no elevator in the elevator shaft. Uh, we see the goons going for another rocket. We see McLean sticking the detonators into the C4, holding it down with a computer monitor, wraps everything into the chair with the computer monitor, and says, take this under advisement, jerkweed. <laughs> Pushes the chair down the elevator shaft and says, Geronimo, motherfucker. He looks down and boom. The whole bottom level of Nakatomi Plaza explodes. The flames climb all the way up the elevator shaft to where McLean is, explodes out of the elevator door, launching McLean. Hans Crony says, they're using artillery on us. And Hans goes, no, you idiot. It's not the police. It's him. Oh, man. And so you know, cool. So cool. Uh, ep, I'm going to say we've said it in other, other podcasts about certain movies, but all this is like super iconic in action films and, and this genre. And a lot of people try to get there again, and I don't think they succeed. Um, but more importantly than all of that, Sean, the Symphony Bar came out in 1989. Ah, so it's not a Symphony Bar. But I'm just going to say, I, just looking it up really quick, it says... That it was a new product featured a milder, more milky style of milk chocolate popular in Europe. Making me hungry. Oh, the Germans maybe had it. So if they're these European terrorists, right? Maybe the Symphony Bar, you know, is, is there more of their cup of tea? He had the crunch, he had the American one, and then he had the Symphony Bar. So perhaps, perhaps, somebody tell us, write in. And tell us, hit us up, let us know what was he eating besides the crunch bar. Oh, is it is it a Mars bar? Could be I a think, Mars bar. I think it's a, I, I think it's a Mars bar. I'm it's sorry. a Mars bar. So we Yeah, there it is. So we could just uh you know talk about symphony. People will wonder why we're talking about a symphony bar, but yo, know, eat yourself a symphony bar. I don't even know if they still exist anymore. I love chocolate, man. Uh, Mars bar. I don't know if I've ever had a Mars bar. What the no? Oh, I, 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 I love I, I Mars gotta bar. look. What's a Mar- what's in a Mars bar? Why Isn't it I like a Milky Way? Yeah, it's not like a milky it's like oh, an adjacent yeah, kind of thing yeah, yeah. i see it at 7-eleven now I'm looking at it that's so funny all your candy knowledge on id madness pod <laughs> uh everyone's standing around astounded by all the carnage everyone except dickhead thornberg who goes my god and he asked the cameraman tell me you got that and he goes i got it and he goes eat your heart out channel five mm. We see another newscaster in studio on air giving viewers all the info. Hans is a terrorist leader, a member of the radical West German Volksfrei movement. But the Volksfrei leadership just issued a communique recently stating that Gruber had been expelled from the organization. So they didn't want him and they kicked his ass out. He's like the family and the witch. Cut to McLean speaking to Al in the walkie. McLean is laughing his ass off, telling Al he blew it up with the C4 explosives. Al tells him the place is going to need a paint job and some new screen doors, but the spotters say he killed two more terrorists with that blast. He's like the Terminator. Somehow he only killed terrorists with that gigantic blast (laughs) and and no cops uh, with the accuracy that he has with explosives is astounding. It also struck, didn't do anything structurally to the building, like didn't collapse the parking garage onto Argyle or <laughs> anything else. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, here comes angry cop Dwayne. He sees all Al talking on the walkie and asks if that's the guy he's been talking to. He snatches the walkie. I don't know who you are, what you think you're doing, but you just destroyed a building. We don't want your help. I got 100 people down here covered in glass. 
McLean's like, glass, who gives a shit? Who the fuck are you? Deputy Chief Dwayne T. Robinson, I'm in charge of the situation. Oh, you're in charge? I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of jack shit. Dwayne's like, listen up, asshole. McLean's like, I'm the asshole. I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. And Argyle <laughs> hears this over the CB radio and begins laughing his ass off. Argyle loves McLean. McLean tells Dwayne to stop being part of the problem. Put the other guy on. And he hands the walkie back to Al. He asks McLean how he's feeling pretty unappreciated. Al tells McLean he loves him. Uh, so do a lot of the other guys. He tells him, hang in there. And he goes, thanks, partner. Now we're back in Nakatomi lobby. Holly's sitting next to Ellis. Ellis is snorting some more Coke. Hmm. Holly's like, what the hell are you doing? Ellis has had it. And now he's going to make his move. What do you think, Joe? This is going to be, is this going to work out well for Ellis? Or did, did you know from the beginning that you know, from the beginning, this is it. He's this the most the unlikable person on like in any kind of film, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, I, in I, this I, entire yeah. film, he's even yeah. more unlikable than the terrorists. Hans, yeah, yeah. You root, yeah. you root for Hans more than Ellis. You're just like, he's got to go out a window. Ellis, throw him on a desk chair out a window. I agree. I, I match him up with the, the Justin Long from Barbarian as as most hateable oh. character. Yeah, yeah. Holly asks what he's going to do. He straightens his tie while sniffing. He puts his hand through his hair, trying to be slick, but he looks like he just rolled out of bed. He goes, hey, babe, I negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. I can handle this Euro trash. He goes to one of the goons. He goes, hey, Sprechenzi talk. <laughs> Hans and Carl are fighting. If you would have listened to me, he would have been neutralized. Carl doesn't want neutral. He wants dead, and there's a knock at the door. There's a crony with Ellis showing up at the worst possible time. Hans asks what he wants. It's not what I want. It's what I can give you. Carl reaches for his gun, but Hans shakes his head. No, he lets Ellis in. You're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses, am I right? Hans goes, you're very perceptive. Ellis watches 60 minutes. He says, these guys are pros, motivated. They're happening, i.e. they want something. Ellis doesn't care about the politics. It's none of his business. You're here to negotiate. Am I right? And humoring him, Hans is like, you're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> business is business. You use a gun. I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? You hear hostile takeover. You take us hostage for leverage, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around the building. And now Hans looks interested in what he's saying. Like you might actually know something. Ellis goes, Hans, booby, I'm your white knight. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Hans goes, I missed 60 minutes. What the hell are you talking about? And this piece of shit, Ellis, slaps Carl on the arm. Says the guy upstairs who's fucking things up. I could give him to you. And then he smiles, this shithead ass smile. Uh, I mean... <sighs> I was so mad at him. I was so I, I didn't know he was gonna go up in there and give up McLean. I just figured he was gonna I didn't know what I thought he was gonna do, but I'm like, damn, he gave his ass up. The worst. Yeah, I mean they're setting him up as a baddie early on, so we're not gonna be feel sympathetic for him when they take him out. So we, yeah, he's the worst, worst kind of human, Ellis. We hear McLean over the radio in agony. Al grabs his walkie and says, Roy, are you okay? I just fired down a thousand-year-old Twinkie. What did he put in these things? Al laughs to himself. He knows because this dude 
loves Twinkies. And there's your callback from earlier when he was buying the bunch of Twinkies. So we start paying off everything in this movie now. About halfway through, everything else starts paying off. Sugar-enriched flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and yellow dye number five. Everything a growing boy needs. <laughs> McLean asks if Al has kids. His wife and them are working on their first. McLean has two. He wants to see him playing with Al Jr. someday. They say, it's a date. You got to bring in the ice cream. And Hans interrupts. Touching, cowboy, touching. Or should I call you McLean? Officer John McLean of the NYPD. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Outside, Thornburg is like, get me my guy in New York. McLean says, Sister Teresa used to call me Mr. McLean in third grade. My friends call me John, and you're neither, shithead. Hans has someone he wants McLean to talk to, a very special friend from the party tonight, and hands over the walkie-talkie to Ellis, who confidently is like, hey, John boy. They're giving me a few minutes to try and talk some sense into you. I appreciate you thinking you're trying to do your job, but you're just dragging this out. No one leaves here until these guys talk to the L.A. police, and that just ain't going to happen until you stop messing up the works, capiche? <laughs> he asked Ellis what he told them. He's checking to make sure that Holly is okay, but Ellis knows. He didn't rat out Holly. He says, I told them we were old friends and you were my guest at the party, mm-hmm. which is all right that Ellis at least like puts himself in that and isn't like that's his wife which i thought that's what he was gonna do he's also super excited about getting that you know they give him the coca-cola and the, the i, I, I love him and stuff the like, way he, he seems... works with hans when he's just like eh yeah when yeah. he's like am i doing good so we Idiot. stop short of being completely 100 percent awful by just giving her by giving holly away McLean says you shouldn't be doing this over his shoulder. A man walks over with a fresh beverage, a can of Coke. He Mm -hmm. begins pouring it into a glass for Ellis. And every time I see that, kind of like the Twinkies, I kind of want a Coca-Cola. Absolutely. We got to have Twinkies and Coca-Cola. Oh, my God. We're going to be like. (laughs) 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 You see the scene where the Twinkies got polysorbate 60. (laughs) He says, John, they want me to know where the they want to know where the detonators are. They're going to kill me. And then this dude smiles and he gives Hans the thumbs up like, I got this, buddy. John hears him, but he's quiet. Ellis yells, tell these guys where the detonators are and let the LAPD handle this. I'm putting my life on the line for you, pal. And then looks at Hans and goes, eh? Eh? McLean tells Ellis, put Hans back on. Hans, this shithead doesn't know what kind of man you are, but I do. Good. Then you'll give us what we want and save your friend's life. And stupid, stupid ass Ellis goes, what am I, a method actor, Hans? Put away the gun. This is radio, not TV. Dumbass. He's acting. Hans is not fucking around. McLean tells Hans he doesn't know this guy. You just met him tonight, Ellis. These people are going to kill you. Tell them you don't know me. Ellis pauses, chuckles, and says, John, how can you say that after all these years? John? John? He smiles. He laughs. Hans picks up his gun, and Ellis takes this great, nervous gulp of his Coke. And then, pop, he is dead. 
Joe, do you have like a milking of the alpacas moment in this movie? Was it when the guy came crashing through the window or was it when they shot Takagi or was it when they shot Ellis? Or is there like one point in this movie that you were like, oh, my God, this is the dopest shit ever? Or was it the end? Mm. This movie is so dynamic. I feel like it's hard to pick. I would say when they shoot Takagi. Yeah. Because that is when everything kind of like rolls into place. And like, all right, like this movie is... Now it's like amping up big time. Like it goes from like seven to 12 real quick. You know Some I mean? movies do have multiple milking of the alpacas moment. I don't know if you heard our missed episode, but there's like 12 milking yeah. of the alpacas moment. This movie does have another milking of the alpacas moment. I'm about to get to it because it still but, blows my mind. But yeah. But, you know, according to our theory, when we created it, it's only one. You're only one shift. Yeah. In the film yeah. But you're well, in or out. But. John yeah, plays loose and fast with those rules. I do because I get I get into it, but then I get even more into it, and then mm-hmm. I get the hostage out in the lobby. Scream! Ellis is dead. Hans opens the door, raises his hand with the walkie-talkie, so McLean can hear the screaming. You hear that? Talk to me. Where are my detonators? Tell me where they are, or I'll shoot another one. Sooner or later, I may get to someone you do care about. And Hans uh, McLean goes, "Fuck yourself, Hans." Now Deputy Dwayne is pissed. Did you hear that? He just let the guy die. He gave him up. That's like pulling the trigger yourself. But Powell knows better. Can't you read between the lines? If he gave himself up, they'd both be dead. Annoyed Deputy Dwayne is like, no way. No way. They'd be talking to us. He is so aggravating. He pisses me off as much as Miss Carmody does. He goes, <laughs> tell your friend to stay out of this room and nail his ass. I'm really going to nail him. And Powell's like, that man is alone. He's tired. He hasn't seen squat from anyone down here. You think he's going to give a damn about what you're going to do if he makes it out of there alive? Wake up and smell what you shovel in. Deputy Dwayne tells him anytime you want to go home, consider yourself dismissed. And he goes, no, sir, you couldn't drag me away. He is all in on this with John McClain. He is the only one he's got on his side. Over the walkie-talkie, Han says, attention, police. Deputy Dwayne snatches the walkie-talkie from Al and begins talking to Hans. What do you want, yes? Hans has buddies all over the globe languishing away in prison. The following people are to be released from their captors. As he's saying this, the camera's panning around, and it passes by Ellis's head, and you see his brains blown out the back of his skull, still sitting there while Hans is just talking on the phone with a dead body in front of him. Crazy. Hans has got buddies he wants released from prison in Northern Ireland and Canada and Sri Lanka, specifically the nine members of the Asian Dawn. (laughs) McLean hears this over the radio and goes, what the fuck? And at the same time, the camera switches to Carl sitting there looking at Hans, making these demands. And he goes, Asian Dawn? What the hell is that? And Hans puts down the walkie and goes, I read about them in Time magazine. (laughs) He's just naming random things. This is not his plan. He is just screwing around with the cops. I love I love how smart and calculated he is. I mean, they just need this time to drag out till they get through. So they just whatever they could do, send them on a wild goose chase and hopefully it buys them a little bit of time. At this point, do you know what their plan is with these detonators and all this? No. I, yeah. Yeah. No. It was a mystery to me and, and hopefully to everybody. Hans continues, when these revolutionary brothers and sisters are released, the hostages will here will be taken to the roof. They'll come with us in helicopters to the Los Angeles airport. They will be given further instructions. You have two hours and cuts off the radio. 
Deputy Dwayne's like, Mr. Gruber, I don't have the authority. I can't. Two hours isn't enough. And then he runs off back. Like, did you get all that? We got to make some calls. Like, he's going to get the Asian Dawn out of prison because he's <laughs> Deputy Dwayne. Dude's an idiot. Uh, Carl asks Hans, do you think they'll even try to do it? And Hans goes, who cares? He talks to Theo on the walkie. Are we on schedule? That's all Hans cares about. He wants that money. Theo tells him one more lock to break, and then it's up to Hans. He better be right because this last one is going to take a miracle. And Hans says, in the pen out, it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. There it is. Thank you, Hans. He tells Carl to find McLean, get the detonators. Hans is going to go check on the explosives himself. Daring move, Hans. Over the walkie-talkie, McLean is telling Alec there was nothing he could do to save Ellis. He asks if he heard all the bullshit Hans was talking. It doesn't make sense. Alice says he doesn't know either. He's just a desk jockey who was on his way home before McLean called. McLean says he knew he was from the street the way he was driving his car. And Al says, in my youth. Can so I make- can I ask you a question, Sean? So yes, he's, please. He's a desk jockey. So what does that mean? Like, is he's in uniform and stuff, though. So he has to yeah, be in I uniform mean, yeah, on probably, his shift, but he drives the cop car home and not his own car. Yeah, why is he in a patrol car? I mean, maybe he just gives out like parking tickets. I mean, well, he's he clear a, though that he's, he'd be a traffic cop. Then right? I, mean, I get, yeah, that's true. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. he just, I don't know. I don't California. Know. yeah i don't i don't know why he was out i don't know why he was out because like if you're if you're driving home you're picking up your twinkies and you're going home and you're in uniform yeah and you're in that car i mean you're on duty if something if you walk in there to buy those twinkies and somebody's robbing that store you gotta handle it right i feel like he would be driving home you know, not in his uniform, in his own personal car. Like it's weird that he's he's kind of all done up. Yeah, Maybe he just can't take, let it go. I don't know. He just takes the car home with him and just parks it in the driveway. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know the rules on that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how. I mean, yeah, I, that's the thing. Like, I don't know how it works. And they they probably figured, ah, no one in the audience is going to question this. Yeah, he's <laughs> taking the car home. Sure. <laughs> we cut back to the news. They're all talking to specialists now. They got some jabroni on promoting his book, Hostage Terrorist, Terrorist Hostage. They're asking the jabroni doctor what they can expect in the next few hours. The hostages will be going through the first stages of Helsinki syndrome. And dumbass Harvey, this doofy bastard, goes, as in Helsinki, Sweden, trying to show how smart he is. And the doctor corrects him and goes, Finland. And the station manager just puts the head in his hand, completely embarrassed. The doctor says the hostages and terrorists go through a psychological transference, a projection of dependency, a strange sort of trust and bond develops. We've had situations where hostages embrace their captors after their release and even correspond with them in prison. And as he's saying this, you see Ellis's dead body being dragged out of the office. So quite the opposite is happening uh, according to the jabroni doctor and what is actually going on with Hans and these uh, people. We cut to dumbass Deputy Dwayne on the phone with someone. He's like, Asian Dawn, D-A-W-N. This guy is so stupid. (laughs) A man comes over and tells him the FBI is here. He's fixing him up, and I'll ask if he wants a breath mint. 
And then we are introduced to this spectacular duo. Joe, who are they? Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> no relation. Yeah, here, here, to clean, <laughs> here to clean things up, Johnson and Johnson. Uh, you got you got a, a white dude, Agent Johnson, African-American dude, Agent Johnson, and immediately he goes, no relation, just in case there was any question about it. <laughs> he goes, I'm in, uh, Dwayne says, I'm in charge here. And then other Agent Johnson says, not anymore. We see Hans looking around the roof. He sees all the wiring up from his cronies who were up working up there earlier and spray painted on the wall says Merry Christmas. <laughs> he's got a flashlight. He's got his gun. He needs to crawl in between these air vents to check the wiring. He leaves his gun and his flashlight on a vent. Begins making his way through. He reaches the spot, sees all the wires cut, looks disappointed. He jumps out to the other side and boom, standing right there. No shoes, gun in hand, filthy is John McClane. Points his gun in Han's face and says, hi there, how you doing? Hmm. And then something crazy happens. Brilliant. I still think it's brilliant till this day. This would be my other milking of the alpacas moment, but I'll just leave it at the other one. Because Han's brilliantly and and kind of like, luckily not... No, like guessing that he doesn't know what he looks like begins cowering in fear going oh my god no no you're one of them in this like americanized accent of his mm-hmm. don't kill me please and mclean goes whoa relax i'm not gonna hurt you and i'm like yo hans just he got mclean he fooled his ass that was a big risk to take because he could have been like i know you're hans shut the fuck up but he didn't he he was betting that he didn't know what he looked like and he doesn't and that's the cool thing is that none of these dudes know who anybody is powell doesn't know who mclean is mclean doesn't know who powell is mclean doesn't know who hans is hans doesn't know who mclean is i love that it goes through walkie talkie and everyone can kind of like fool everybody which is crazy so at this point i think he's got mclean fool McLean looks around and asks, what are you doing up here? I was trying to get up on the roof, see if I can signal for help. Hans tries going back for his gun and his flashlight. McLean stops him. He's like, if you want to stay alive, you stay with me. And then Hans gives him this long look because they're against each other. <laughs> Outside, the FBI is letting the cops know they're taking control of the situation. Al says, aren't you forgetting about John McLean? He's the reason we have all the information we have now. And Deputy Dwayne is doing the, the zippy lip, shut the hell up maneuver. Al says he thinks the guy's a cop. Inside, McLean offers Hans a smoke. He takes one. The guys share a smoke. Hans says, you don't work for Nakatomi, and you're not one of them. McLean says, I'm a cop from New York. And Hans, with this forced American accent, goes, New York? Hmm. McLean laughs, says he got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Hans takes a look at McLean's bare feet, blackened with dirt. McLean laughs and says, better than being caught with your pants down, right? The guys laugh. McLean takes a look at a list of names posted up near where the guys are smoking. Why that list is up there in the top of the roof, no one will ever know. <laughs> he introduces himself. I'm John McLean. Hans says, Clay, Bill Clay. So the camera zooms in on the list of names on the wall, right? Now, this is what confuses me a little bit. So, Whose perspective is that? Like, I never understood that myself. So, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, because how would, okay, so I'm thinking it's Han. Well, so 
Hans would have to see it to say that unless he was really lucky, just guessing a name. But I'm feeling like McLean is the one who sees that because I feel like that's what gives him away. And I, I never understood this, but when I really dug into it right here, next to Clay's name, it says 29. So I'm assuming that means 29th floor, and this party is on the 30th floor. So I feel like McLean sees that he says a guy's name who's not on the floor of the party and is like, you're not Bill Clay because he's on the 29th floor and not on the 30th floor. So Maybe, feel- but he could just work on that floor and have gone to the party. Is the 29th floor part of that uh, company? Yeah, I, I'm confused by this because... Yeah, I still don't get it. I still don't completely understand this part. Yeah, so it zooms in, and I thought it was the 29 that gave him away. Honestly, yeah, whose perspective is that? Because Hans has to be looking at it to say the name, but I feel like McLean has to be looking at it to bust Hans to know that. I didn't know. So this was the point where I don't know if this is where McLean's like, you're Hans Gruber. Or if McLean, even when Hans was like, no, don't kill me, McLean's like, all right, I know you're Hans, but I'll just play along with this game and see how far we can drag this out. I'm not sure at which point McLean actually knows he's Hans. So that's just me. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point, McLean has him for some reason because of the names on the board. He takes out his gun. He asks if, no, if Hans knows how to use it. He did a week in combat, ran shooting with guns with red paint. McLean cl- uh, puts in the clip, hands it to Hans. He says, time for the real thing. Hans awkwardly takes and holds the gun like really weirdly. Apparently, in one of the documentaries I saw, they had to like teach him how to hold the gun because every time he held it, he held it like weird. And they had to teach him how to hold it like firm, mm-hmm. I think. That may also be just Sean facts. Sean facts. Uh, Hans awkwardly takes the gun. McLean says, all you got to do is pull the trigger and walks away. And Hans' whole demeanor changes. He drops the cigarette. He steps on it, then speaks in German in his walkie-talkie, cocks the gun. And John's walking away smoking and stops in his tracks. Put the gun down and give me my detonators. Well, well, well. Hans, McLean says, you're pretty tricky with that accent. You ought to be on TV with that accent, which I think uh, Hans Gruber also came from TV or something, uh, which made that like a funny line for the movie. Uh, What do you want with the detonators, Hans? I already use all the explosives. Or did I? And as he's saying this, he's walking up to Hans with the gun pointed at him. Hans is like, I'm going to count to three, like you did with Takagi. And Hans goes, pop. But it's empty. John goes, oops. Hans keeps pulling the trigger. No bullets. You think I'm fucking stupid, Hans? The elevator dings and Hans goes, you were saying? And here we go. This is what I love about action movies. This three minutes right here, this high tense bullets flying bullshit, this is what I'm all about. We got goons everywhere, guns firing, bullets flying, total mayhem. Dude's legs and kneecaps are getting shot off, flying through broken glass. Bullets are flying everywhere. Then Hans remembers McLean's got no shoes. And he whispers to Carl, shoot the glass. 
Carl blows apart every piece of glass in that bitch. McLean spots an exit, but the floor is littered with broken glass. He looks down at his bare feet. Carl runs up, but McLean is gone. Hans finds a bag of detonators, says, smile, Carl, we're back in business. Carl quickly spins around and gives Hans a look like he's about to either murder Hans or McLean. So do you think do you think Carl has it out for Hans, Joe? Tension. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I feel like he like thinks that Hans thinks he's the leader, but I feel like Carl is like, fuck you. I'm it's, it's like an insubordination kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I could do your job kind of thing. Yeah. Like even when he turns the radio off when when Hans is talking, I'm like, oh, this dude just he's like he's about his own mission. I don't feel yeah. like he has it's like, like Maverick kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> We cut back to Nakatomi Thornburg is in the news van and his assistant hands him a folder. McLean's name, badge number, employment record, vital stats, the family's home address right here in L.A. Thornburg is stoked. Hans and Carl arrive back in the lobby. They throw the cronies bag of detonators to finish the job. Carl walks away pissed. He takes his gun. He smashes a table full of glass. Holly smiles because he's still alive. Only John can drive somebody that crazy, which is a very romantic, I think, way to like <laughs> link that he's still okay by her watching other people's reactions. Cut to McLean crawling into a bathroom. Dude's got problems of his own. He is bleeding profusely from his feet. Is this your guys' cutoff point? Is this where you're you're done being John McClain and like you're th- this is it? Bloody feet in the bathroom and that's where you're staying. No, that you're wrong. A long time ago. Go ahead, what Joe. Was, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh no, I'm I'm the opposite. At that point, it's just like, man, if I'm picking glass out of my feet, I gotta keep going. Hell yeah, okay. I'm making it to the rooftop. At okay, that point. but Murder I do have to say, one of the craziest like devices you'll ever see in like a uh, like an action movie. One, he's got no shoes on the entire film. And then two, added obstacle is like, now he's got glass in them for the last 40 minutes, a half right. hour, whatever. Theo's walkie. Theo walkies Hans. He tells him to heat up. It's miracle. He just broke through lock six and the electromagnetic, the electromagnetic came down like a fucking anvil. Hans says, have a look at what our friends outside are doing, and I'll be right up. Vertebrae, are you staying in the bathroom with your glassy feet? No, I'm, I was done a long time ago. <laughs> I was out a long time ago. Uh, I, I was done after making fists with my toes in the carpet. Yeah, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to hang out somewhere and see what happens. <laughs> you're, in the, with, you're in the limo with Argyle. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go downstairs to see Argyle and hang out. We cut the John in the bathroom tending to his wounds. Al hits him on his walkie. He tells McLean, him and the boys got a pool going on. McLean, he wants to know what his odds are. And he goes, you don't want to know. McLean is pulling glass out of his foot. He says, put me down for 20. I'm good for it. Yes, Al, if he's got flat feet, something had to get you off the street. Al says he had an accident. What'd you do? Drive over your captain's foot with a car. And then Powell hits us with a depressing story in a Christmas movie, only to be matched by the likes of the girlfriend in Gremlins, whose dad died as Santa coming down the chimney. Mm -hmm. Make sure you check out our Gremlins episode two of In Madness Pod, The Early Days. (laughs) 
Powell says he shot a kid, 13 years old, and McLean looks devastated. It was dark. Powell couldn't see. The kid was holding a toy gun. It looked real. When you're a rookie, they teach you everything about being a cop except how to live with a mistake. Anyway, I just couldn't bring myself to pull my gun on anybody ever again. McLean apologizes. Powell tells him the FBI are in charge now. Inside, we see Theo and Hans watching the FBI outside. They're with the city engineers. They're going to cut the street circuits. Hans says the FBI is ordering the engineers to cut the building's power, regular as clockwork. Theo says, or a time clock, uh, a time lock. Hans says precisely, the circuits that cannot be cut are cut automatically in response to a terrorist incident. You ask for a miracle, Theo. I give you the FBI. I love, I love that FBI because the uh, the way Han says it, and because of uh, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> making it all the way to the FBI. Yeah, yeah. The FBI are screaming at the Con Ed guys. They want the power cut now and the building dark. But to do that, they got to shut off a whole grid for ten city blocks. But it's Christmas Eve. I don't think you could count that one, Sean. Oh, well, come on. Because we've I, already established that. Well, they but they said it again. They're they're laying it even all right. I'll take I'll take that one out. It'll that just one's be, just repeating a fact okay, that we okay, already okay, picked okay, up okay, earlier. Okay. I think Everyone, we won the argument. No, anyway. I'm still we're going to the end. We're going to the end. Everyone is arguing and fighting. Agent Johnson says lose the power or lose your job. So they call it in. They shut down grid two twelve. Deputy Dwayne wants to call the mayor, but there's no time to waste. The FBI FBI wants the power off. Shut it down. Shut it down right now. All the power goes off. The backup power gets activated. Warrior McLean's like, what's going on? Ask the FBI, Al says. They got the universal terrorist playbook, and they're running it step by step. Inside, we see Theo looking at his computer with the last lock. He says, it's going to go, and it does. The vault unlocks and blasting in the background. I love this scene comes beethoven's ode to joy which since you're asking yes i will be adding this all 10 minutes of it in its glory to the in madness playlist on spotify that's right the only place on earth you're gonna hear dillinger escape plan into whitney houston and now into beethoven (laughs) what an enriched show this has become over the span of one year make sure you check out the in madness playlist on spotify the inside of the vault emits this large light that opens on hans and theo and the rest of the goons and theo says can i put this one vertebrae Yes. Merry Christmas and smiles. There it is. Put that tally right back there. Outside, we see Agent Johnson and Johnson laughing to themselves, saying they're probably inside pissing their pants. Following them is Deputy Dwayne saying the mayor is going to have my ass. Theo runs in the vault and there's just millions in bonds and art and artifacts, statues, painting, cash, money. Powell asks the FBI, what now? We let them sweat it out. We give them helicopters right up the ass. One of the agents picks up the phone and says, this is Agent Johnson. And then quickly goes, no, the other one. (laughs) (laughs) I love this bit. I love nothing I love more than a good bit. And this fucking Johnson and Johnson bit is one of my favorites in any movie. 
Uh, he goes, I want air support ready in five minutes, fully armed. And Powell gets worried because he knows what they're planning. Hans, he, Hans Walkie's the FBI. They tell him the State Department is arranged for the return of your comrades. Helicopters are on the way as requested. Hans says, we'll be ready. And the agent says, by the time he figures out what hit him, he'll be in a body bag. And then Hans says to himself, when they touch down with the helicopters, we'll blow the roof. What? They'll spend a month sifting through the rubble. By the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%. Whoa. What? Even then, I still didn't fully process the plan. Even when he said it, I'm like, what are they going to do? McLean Walkie's Powell says he's got a bad feeling. Do me a favor. Find my wife. Tell her it took me a while to figure out what a jerk I've been. I should have been more supportive. Tell her she's the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me. I said I love you a thousand times, but I never said I'm sorry. Getting poetic, McLean. Tell her that, Al. Tell her John said he was sorry. And Al says, but you can tell her that yourself. Just watch your ass and get out of there. He goes, I guess that's up to the man upstairs. And then thinks to himself. What the hell were you doing upstairs, Hans? Good segue. Good enough. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Cut to Dickhead Thornburg. He's at Holly's house. Yelling at the housekeeper. Let him in. Let me in now or I'm going to call the INS. This is the last time these kids are going to be able to speak to their parents. And she lets him in. Cut to John limping around upstairs. Says to himself, what were you doing, Hans? Looks around, sees all the wires leading up to the roof and finds tons of C4 and goes, mother of God. He jumps down to Walkie's Powell and says it's a double cross. The entire roof of the building is wired too. And then a gun barrel sticks in his cheek and he stops talking. It's fucking Carl. I can't believe somebody got the best of McLean. Nobody ever gets the best of McLean in this movie. <laughs> this moment right here, I'm like, oh, man. He found him. He grabs his gun. He tosses it. Powell asks if the guy next to him heard what John said. Something about double cross. Powell looks to his left and goes, tell me about it. And here come the fully armed choppers. <clears throat> Upstairs, Carl takes the walkie out of John's hand. We're both professionals. This is personal. The boys begin beating the shit out of each other. Upstairs, everyone's getting ready to head to the roof. But on TV, Hans in Hans' office is Thornburg speaking to Holly's kid. Her daughter says, come home. And Holly looks like she's in deep shit. Hans looks at the TV, looks at Holly. And now, finally, immediately picks up the picture on her desk for the big reveal. There he is, smiling in the back of the picture, John McClain, husband, father, badass New York cop. Hans glares back at Holly and says, Miss McClain, nice to make your acquaintance. Pulls out his gun and fires a shot at the ceiling. Hans tells everyone, head to the roof. He tells his goons, lock everyone on the roof, then come right back. But he grabs Holly as she tries to head out. Joe, if you were Hans, wouldn't you have picked up that picture a little earlier? A hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Not that I'd be snooping, but I want to know whose desk I'm sitting at. You know what I mean? I mean, he knew it was Holly's because there's other pictures of her and the kids, right? Or is it just pictures of the kids? And because I feel like Han saw the kid on TV and was like, oh, that's Holly's kid. Uh, so, hmm. yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if there's because there's no other pictures of McLean. I think it's just pictures of Holly and the kids. So, yeah, I was like, why didn't you just pick up that 
picture earlier, but again, I guess there wouldn't be the movie. The same reason Argyle didn't drive through the goddamn gate yet. Yeah. <laughs> the choppers are flying in. Agent Johnson asks the other Agent Johnson, what do you figure for breakage? <sighs> Johnson says, ah, I figure we kill all the terrorists and about eh, 20 to 25% of the hostages. The other Johnson's like, I can live with that. What a world. The goons are marching all the hostages up to the roof. Hans throws Holly into the vault where the dudes are bagging up all the cash. Hans tries to walk you to tell McLean he's got Holly, but there's no response. McLean and Carl are whooping each other's ass. Carl fires a shot and catches McLean in the back, but he's still on the move. Theo arms the bomb, runs away to get the truck. Holly is watching Hans bag up the cash. She goes after all your posturing and little speeches. You're nothing but a common thief. Hans snaps back at her quickly and goes right up in her face and says, I am an exceptional thief, Miss McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. And Holly's boob is just hanging all out of her shirt as she's sitting there looking hot as Hans is bagging up all this cash. Telling you, this is the lust part of the seven deadly sins for them. <laughs> McLean and Carl are still beating the shit out of each other. McLean grabs a chain hanging from the ceiling, wraps it around Carl's neck, and launches his ass so there's nothing under him. Leaves Carl there hanging, choking. Chopper's flying agent. Johnson is screaming in excitement, just like Saigon, eh, Slick? And then other agent Johnson laughs and goes, I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> I like the dynamic of these two as well, Johnson and Johnson. Always, always interesting uh, dynamic between lots of lots of these characters in this movie. Another thing that I just love about it: everybody's like interesting in their own fun, cool little way. We cut to the roof. Crunch Bar Crony goes to head back down to the lobby, but when he opens the door, there's McLean. Pop, pop, pop! Shoots the guy dead. McLean is looking for Holly. The secretary says they took her to the vault. McLean tells everyone, get downstairs. The whole roof is going to blow and no one moves. So McLean starts firing into the air to move everyone. The feds and the chopper see this. They target McLean as a terrorist and they start shooting at him. They miss. McLean screams that he's on their side. But they're feds and they know better. They head back to get the kill shot on McLean. All the employees run back downstairs and Carl's hanging there by his neck. Very horror movie-like. I do get a lot of horror movie vibes from this. Am I the only one or did you guys pick up some of that as well? Definitely some uh, shots, for sure. I, like uh, I didn't. But... <laughs> I like the saw blade part and Carl hanging. There's a little horror bits in here. <laughs> McLean grabs a fire hose on the roof and wraps it around his waist like a bungee and says to himself, what the fuck am I doing? So, Joe, you're doing this? You're you're jumping off the, the roof with the hose wrapped around you? Well, no, this is where I stop. This is, <laughs> this is where I'm just like, ah, I'm one of the hostages. Uh, I want to see vertebrae <laughs> hanging off a roof from a hose. I don't think that's ever going to happen. No, no, none of this no. is happening. No, I was done. done. There's Back free down. candy. There's free candy bars in the lobby. What am yes, I doing up I'm there? I'm down. To, yeah, I'm giving <laughs> yeah. you all the candy and just leave me alone here. Yeah, I'm just going to eat good. and cry. Back downstairs, the cronies see all the hostages coming back down. So Hans wants to blow the roof. But they're like, but Carl is up there. But then Hans begins prepping the detonator to blow it anyway. So I think Carl don't give a fuck about Hans and Hans don't give a fuck about Carl. They're just there to get the job done. Hans wants the money and Carl, although he didn't know it, just wants McLean dead. And like, that's his purpose. John is up top. 
I promise I'll never even think about going in a tall building again. Please don't let me die. And up comes the chopper. Agent Johnson gets McLean in his sights, and Hans hits the detonator button. And McLean wrapped in a fire hose in slow motion in one of the most iconic shots in movie history. I've seen it uh, when they used to show this on TV. The commercial clip would always be this shot with the little spark going off and McLean mm-hmm. doing the jump. Sparks fly and kablooey goes the roof of Nakatomi Plaza. John jumps off the building, but the spool holding the hose comes loose and breaks and it notches him down a few more levels before he catches himself. But so Sean, we blew we blew out some of the stuff at the bottom with C4 down the elevator shaft, and now Correct. we're blowing up the roof, and the rest of the building is just standing and perfectly fine. Somehow everything, everything in between is okay. Everything is cool. Yeah. 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 Somehow. If this is a structurally strong the Nakatomi Plaza, baby. I dare you to knock it down. There's no way they don't build them. Well, he had those articulate, uh, you know, scale models, so he's got yeah. it all worked. Yeah, out, yeah, you know? yeah. It's 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 Takagi. He knows what's up. Uh, McLean is hanging there for dear life. He's kicking his bloody feet on the window. He's leaving these long, gross blood shrieks. He swings back. He takes out his gun. The classic move: shoots the glass, swings back, and crashes right through the window. But the spool comes loose and falls down the side of the building. McLean cannot catch a break he's still got the hose wrapped around him and now he's slowly being pulled out the window but of course luckily it's an action movie at the last minute he unties it and frees himself outside the fbi chopper gets caught in the explosion and crashes into the building causing another massive explosion I don't know if you know this quote, but it's one of my favorites, Joe. Do you know what Deputy Dwayne says? No, I don't remember this one. I guess we're going to need some more FBI guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, McLean's back in the lobby. Elevators are exploding. Everything's on fire. The fire sprinklers are going off. Cut to the parking garage. Argyle is there chilling, and he notices a truck pull up. The truck the bad guys arrived in. However, as I mentioned in part one of episode 21, when the guys arrived, it was only the guys in the back of the truck. When they left the truck, it was empty. However, now a full ambulance comes out of the truck. And much like anybody in the audience who originally noticed that the truck was empty, he's like, what the fuck is going on? I did see in a documentary that they were like, yeah, it's a flub, but we figured no one was going to notice that the truck was empty in the beginning. So who the hell is going to manage it? <laughs> McLean finds Holly and Hans. She's yelling at Hans. They're on their way out. McLean unloads his ammo. He's got two bullets. He looks over and finds his Christmas miracle. We hear this cheery Christmas music playing. As his vision zooms in on some holiday adhesive tape sitting on a cart with some mail. Argyle slowly creeps the limo over to the ambulance. Theo is in the driver's seat wearing clothes that make him look like he's EMT. Theo sees Argyle, who quickly speeds up the limo and smashes it into the ambulance. Argyle gets out and hits Theo, knocking his ass out. And Argyle is super impressed with himself. I mean, if Argyle couldn't get any cooler... He just walks up and knocks out Theo. I mean, you got to respect the man. 
Yeah, that was great. One punch. Oh, yeah. Cut to easily one of the most iconic scenes in movie history. McLean comes out and yells, Want to hit it? Hans! <laughs> that's like Khan. That's like Shatner screaming Khan. Is like, yeah? Yeah, that's like the second one. A Khan and a Hans. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I don't I don't put that up there in this movie. I have Yippie Kaye and that stuff, but I don't have Hans, no, Hans. Hans up there. Hans, no way. Yeah. One of the best. Comes around the corner holding a gun. Hans pulls his gun and pulls Holly toward him. Holly gets a look at John, filthy, bleeding, limping, no shoes, absolutely demolished. She goes, Jesus. McLean goes, hi, honey. He asks Hans, this is what this is all about? Robbery? Why'd you have to nuke the whole building? And Hans lays out the whole plan. Classic villain. When you steal $600, you can just disappear. When you steal $600 million, they will find you unless they think you're already dead. Now put down the gun. John drops it. Holly gasps as if she knows they're both going to die. McLean puts his hand on his head and says, you got me. Hans says, still the cowboy, Mr. McLean. Americans all alike. This time, John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. And McLean goes, it's Gary Cooper, asshole. <laughs> you would have made a good cowboy yourself, Hans. Oh, yes. What was it you said to me before, Joe Miro? Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Oh, he does. <laughs> that time Hans says it. Yeah. McLean and laughs. laughs. Hans laughs. The crony laughs. We hear the bells jingling treacherous, treacherously in the background, like you brought up earlier, Joe. Shit's about to go down, and those bells are jingling. And the camera goes behind John's back, and he's got the gun taped to his back with christmas tape the boys are all laughing mclean screams holly she ducks he rips the gun off his back caps hans caps the crony in the head and then blows on his gun bad fucking ass <laughs> and if that's not good enough he goes happy trails hans hans crashes out the window but he's still holding on to holly Holly's hanging out the window screaming. Hans is hanging out the window holding her wrist. John runs over to loosen his grip in slow motion. Hans begins moving his gun to them. John unclasps what, Joe? The watch. The watch. Don't look like no Rolex, but I know I think that is the watch that Ellis <laughs> is alluding to in the beginning. Um, and in slow motion, we get the zoom in on Hans' face which turns to shock as dude slowly begins falling down a 30 story building. Do you know the gnarly bit about this one vertebrae? I do, but you can do it if you want. Well, no, go ahead. It was just that he, they dropped him like kind of like about 70 feet on a green screen set and they did it earlier than he thought in the scene so that they got a natural reaction from his, from correct. Yeah. They, yeah, they were going to drop him on three and instead they let him go on two. So he freaked yeah. out a little extra. He's yeah. falling out of the building and deputy Dwayne goes, Oh, I hope that's not a hostage. 
And down falls Hans, dead, evil, defeated. Our hero, John McClane, wins. They embrace millions of dollars of bonds are raining down onto the street. We get our cheerful music as the money is raining onto the floor and up pulls dickhead Thornburg in the news van. Holly and McLean walk out of the building. John looks around for his buddy Powell. The dudes lock eyes. They know they found each other. They laugh. They hug. And be honest, not a goddamn dry eye in the house, right? <laughs> and the most unsecure crime scene. Like, people are coming in and out. They're just leaving. Like, it's crazy. Like, where's the investigation? This is... Vertebrae <laughs> always loves a good investigation. Right. Well, why right. is pl- yeah, why is it not roped off? Why is it people just coming and going? Like it's yeah, yeah. fucking California, man. Yeah, California. <laughs> Joe, think, what are you do? Yeah, I was up? I was gonna say that you'd think like you just lost two FBI guys in like this fiery helicopter crash. <laughs> There's a hostage problem on a rooftop that I don't even know how you can get back down from at that point because the building's toast. And then, yeah, you got news everywhere. It's chaos at that point. Makes no sense. But the men embrace. The men laugh. Great, (laughs) great moment. They just know. They don't say a word. They just look at each other and they know. McLean introduces Holly to Al. Up comes angry Deputy Dwayne telling McLean his days are numbered. He interfered with police investigation. He caused property damage. McLean looks like he's about to lay him out. But then from behind, we hear people screaming. And who is it, Joe? Who? Why are they screaming? Oh, it's what's his name? Carl. Carl's alive. He's not dead. The dude hung there the whole time and he's still alive. He points a gun at McLean. John throws Holly on the floor, covers her up, and pop, pop, pop fires gunfires shooting carl in his head dead and who shot him al powell he pulled his gun again but this time he saved the day and once again not a goddamn dry eye in the house on the couch just (laughs) out of the parking garage comes argyle crashing through the gate with the limo so he finally does it. <laughs> Why didn't he do it an hour ago? Why didn't he do it an hour ago? Powell points his gun at the limo, but McLean goes, he's with me. Up runs Thornburg, Mr. and Mrs. McLean. Now that it's all over, what are your feelings? Holly remembers. He blew up her spot on national TV, so with one shot, she punches Thornburg right in his stupid, pompous face. He looks at his camera guy and goes, did you get that? Hmm. Everybody's so funny in this movie. Holly and McLean jump in the limo. He wishes Argyle Merry Christmas. Argyle goes, if this is their idea of Christmas, I got to be here for New Year's. Uh, He's planting a sequel, Argyle. (laughs) (laughs) In the backseat, we see Holly and John. They make out. Argyle hops in the limo. The music kicks in, and it's not any music. It's Let It Snow. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though it's not snowing because it's Los Angeles. But it's but snowing uh, the bodies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but just to solidify that this is a Christmas movie, I'm also going to add Let It Snow to the In Madness playlist available on Spotify. So, Sean, what, are we, what did we end with? 
Argyle drives away. Roll credits. The end. Best goddamn Christmas movie of all time. Shall we count the tallies? Yes. 5, 10, 15, 20, 2, 22. Does that, does that qualify Die Hard as a Christmas movie? Yeah, 22 exact Christmas I think, I think it might be 21 because it looks like one of my tallies are a little shoddy here. So it might be oh. 21 or 22. I'm not going back to double check. I'm saying it's over 20 Christmas references in a movie. Definitely solidifying in the In Madness home that, let's make it final here, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes. Absolutely. Joe, do you, you agree, Joe? I didn't even need the tallies. It's, yeah. a, it's a Christmas movie. It was just a fun game I wanted to play. We had it. I had it. Awesome. I, like, I got a tally because I got I got to know. I got to know how many times they mentioned. So just for future arguments with non-diehard Christmas believers, I can be like <laughs> 22 tallies. Says yeah. And you could tell him I made you take one away. So it was probably 23. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, did you know that <laughs> Carl, Carl, the badass, was actually a uh, ballet dancer? Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. I saw that in a documentary as well. And uh, yeah, the Alan Rickman thing where they had to show him how to hold the yeah. gun. That was good. But that is episode 21, part two Die Hard. We finally strayed from a horror movie, from a sci fi movie. I had a great time. Joe, did you enjoy yourself on it? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. So you, said this, you said this was your first uh, podcast you've been on. Yeah. First yeah. official one, yeah. Thank I'm you. Glad. Thanks We're for popping. coming on. We appreciate it. No, thank you guys for having me on. I, I really appreciate it too. Popping awesome. cherries on in madness. We popped uh, panic room toys cherry. We're popping Joe Miro's cherry. I like this. I like. This. And before you go, I promise the plot of the book. Go ahead. So go ahead. Yes, I'm, tell I'm us gonna go. But wait, I'm gonna go through the more. plot of this. Yeah, there's always more. Sorry, Sean. No, Sean tries to do these really climatic. Endings, and then I. No, well, we got. And then we I make more. it very anticlimactic by adding. No, once you're done, we have we have more to go anyway. Okay. Oh, we, we do. We have to give hints. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the plot of the book, I'm just going to read this. All right, and uh, so it's a retired uh, NYPD detective. So he's retired in this. Joe Leland is visiting the 40-story office headquarters of the Klaxon Oil Corporation in Los Angeles on Christmas Eve where his daughter, Stephanie Leland Gennaro, works. While he's waiting for his daughter at the Christmas party to end, a group of German-air terrorists uh, take over the skyscraper. The gang is led by brutal Anton Little Tony the Red Gruber. That's one heck of a name. I'm glad they simplified it to Hans. (laughs) Um. And Joe apparently knows about him already through some of his detective or police work or whatever. Barefoot Leland, so he's barefoot in the book too, slips away and manages to remain undetected in a gigantic office complex. So this seems like more like not one building, but probably like a few buildings. Armed with only his Browning pistol and a communication with a Los Angeles police sergeant, Al Powell. Oh, okay. And his belligerent supervisor, Dwayne Robinson. Okay, so they kept that. Yeah, Leland fights off the terrorists one by one in an attempt to save the 74 hostages, his daughter, and grandchildren. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, that raises the stakes. Um, 
Gruber and the terrorists kill Mr. Rivers, the CEO of the Klaxon building, Chicago. and proceed to steal documents that will publicly expose Klaxon's corporation dealings with Chile's Junta, which Han- is, a, which is a military uh, or political group that rules a country after taking force. So they're willing, to, they're looking to expose them. They also intend to deprive Klaxon of the proceeds of this deal, which is six million dollars in cash, which by- gives us greed of our seven deadly sins. Yeah, and Hans then addresses Nakatomi's greed. Leland interferes with this plan by stealing explosives and progressively killing terrorists and receiving multiple injuries in the process. He's barefoot, so we establish he's barefoot too. Um, Leland kills most of the terrorists, despite no help from the police, faces off the leader of the terrorist group, Anton Gruber, who is holding his daughter hostage. Gruber falls to his death after being shot by Leland, taking Stephanie with him. Yeah, that's a a dark twist. Blaming Klaxon for the terrorist attack and his daughter's death, Leland throws the cash out of the window himself. So we probably get the bills, which Uh in this we get the other stuff. Um, Once Leland is back on the street, the last terrorist, Carl, who's presumed dead earlier, returns and starts a shooting rampage. So that was in the book. That's crazy. Killing several police officers, including Robinson. So he's Dwayne, not Powell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dwayne's a pain in the ass. Powell, yeah, so he I shoots like. Dwayne and a doctor in the process before Sergeant Powell finally kills him, oh. allowing Leland to receive medical care. So this that is a darker awesome. turn in that his daughter dies. Yeah. As what's well. the name of the book? This book was called, what, oh my God, I forget now. Let's see. It was called Nothing Last Forever Okay, by Roderick Thorpe. Okay. Joe, Joe, you never read this book? No. I watched um, movies that made us last year. Yeah. And yeah. they did this and they spoke about that. And I was like, Frank Sinatra, a book. It blew my mind. So it's yeah. pretty fresh. It's crazy that they, they, so many of those plot points that we consider to be iconic to this film were in this book that I didn't even know existed. Until I researched for this, but I, I didn't. I thought Die Hard was just an you know an original film. I didn't realize it was based off of based off this book. I want to read the book, man. I want to read yeah. the book. I, I still got to get through Jurassic Park. I've had Jurassic Park for six months, and I need to. I bought it. I want to read it, but I have not even opened it yet. It takes me so <laughs> long to read books. You lot you read a lot of books, Joe. Not anymore. Not no, a I'm big at, book reader. I'm I'm out of school, man. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of years. Yeah. Vertebrae, you still read? I know you. I get you got a whole wall of books in your. In I your got life. tons of books, Sean. I got books. Do I get to reading them all? No, but I. I would say my to read list is probably. Uh, it's over sixty books. To you read. know, what? I was thinking uh, right before the podcast. Uh, I just went to my parents' house and recovered my two boxes of comic books that I've had since I was like. <laughs> eight years old nine years old mm-hmm. i was thinking we should just go on instagram live and just go through like my comic books and you show your shit and we'll just look at shit and just like just for the sake of like i'd really want to look through my comic books and i feel like 
I should do yeah. it. You that's a I, that's a long Instagram because I have like thousands. If we yeah yeah, we'll just go through yeah, we'll just go through we'll go through yours. Yeah yeah, well I just want to take a look at a couple. Uh, this was such a fun episode, Joe. I hope you had a great time, as good of a time as everybody else had listening. This was awesome. You want to hit any plugs? Uh, let us know again. The creepy canvases uh, hit us all the, with all the plugs and all the band stuff. Uh, at creepy canvases, my art page. If you like horror, if you like movies, I got Die Hard. Everything on there. Um, at Joe Miro personal whatever uh at crisis king official on instagram that's it what do you i guess you play guitar in crisis king since you got the guitar i'm guitarist and singer we're a trio hell yeah like dying fetus cool if you like pantera mastodon a little bit of deftones then like a little touch of like new york hardcore kind of agnostic front kind of feel there we are Nice. I have to check it out. Vertebrae, you got any plugs you want to hit? I don't know. I don't know. The people still following me on socials at follow at vertebrae33. I have new shirts. I got new shirts in Hot Topic now. Four new shirts. Check them out. There's new tarot in the tarot design line. So. Oh, what's the new one you put up? And I reposted on In Madness with the dude. It's a Justice Tarot Fucking shirt sick. that I did. So that's, there's four new ones up there. There'll be more. 2020. Plans for 2024 are pretty big for a rollout and hot topic. We'll get to that in a point five, but um, a lot of new merch coming for everybody. And someday, uh, in <laughs> you say this on every episode, every episode, someday <laughs> in madness merch. But I gotta pick up some in madness stickers from you. We finally have in madness stickers, but I definitely yeah. need some more so I can start tagging. Yeah, I got a little bit left, but yeah, we'll have to. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get merch for 2024. I promise everybody. All good. All good. Uh, we're coming up. Okay. Our next episode is our one year anniversary. Of right. The show, which is enormous. We will not be doing a point five for the next episode because we are fucking diving head first right into our next movie. And we may even do a little surprisey prize thing uh, mm-hmm. after that, just for the sake of what we are doing for this movie so have we wrapped up all of our gnarly bits our christmas bits and our loose ends for episode 21 part two die hard of in madness pod yeah i think we're there and uh are you gonna tease this so i'll just really quickly just make sure again that you follow us on the socials at in madness pod if you have any questions about this episode or your favorite moment or your milking of the alpacas moment or anything that you want to talk about from either die hard or any previous episode we have ever done on in madness pod and you can hit us in the mail sack in madness pod at gmail.com or maybe it's mail madness depending on the winner of the poll we will see but we will read your emails live on the show because we love talking to you and hearing what you think about these episodes and your own little gnarly bits that maybe you have about something that we missed so with that being said our next movie shall we do a tease joe we're going to tease it if you know the answer don't scream it out loud you keep it to yourself because this will be our next episode our one year anniversary that's a big milestone i can't believe we managed to do this all the stressful text messages all the things (laughs) we have had going on all the 
bullshit and the good shit and the bad shit. And we have managed to not, instead of dropping episodes bi-weekly, we have made this a weekly show, which has not made anything easier for anybody. But we do this because we love the show. We love that you're listening. And we love that you got us on your Spotify wrap. So I'm going to wrap this up and shut the hell up by saying our next movie. When we release the next episode on Id Madness Monday... Let me just check the date really quick. It's going to be December. Oh, pff, Jesus. Christmas. Yeah. The yeah. next episode comes out on Christmas. The day after that is, if I have my numbers right, the 50th anniversary of this movie. Yes. Uh, I will say it is ranked in, I mean, top five. I said this last time. Top five, probably scariest movies of all time. Yeah, and probably one of the most influential movies of this genre of all time. And my hint? My hint? What hint do I give without completely giving it away? I think you gave it away just with that. Well, I have another hint that I wrote down anyway. Okay, let's hear it. Vomit. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so hopefully our next episode of In Madness Pod does not make you vomit. Episode 22, our one-year anniversary, dropping bombs on you. And we might do something special for Christmas, maybe little presents for the family. We'll see. Um, thank you. Thank you, Joe Miro. Thank you, Vertebrae 33. Thank you. This has been another spectacular thank you. Appreciate it. of In Madness Pod.